Father, we can laugh because you are there. In the worst of time and best of time, God is in control. He is sovereign over every detail, every situation you and I will go through. You are in control, Lord. Therefore, we sing. Therefore, we laugh. Therefore, we glorify you, Lord. Even our laughter is a tribute to your sovereignty, Father. We just want to thank you. We just want to praise you, Lord. As we come to the ministry of your word, we exalt your word. For you have magnified your word above all your name. And we too want to magnify you, Lord. By giving you our undivided attention. That's how we can show reverence to your word today, Lord. I pray you help the young and the old. Especially who had a late night last night. I pray you will quicken their mortal bodies. Their inner man that they will be able to. Sit without falling asleep. And everyone, I speak your peace and your rest that their thoughts won't wander. Anxiety won't take hold of their mind and heart, but they will be able to receive from you what you have said for us today, Lord. We are coming to your table, the table you prepared for us to eat of it, Lord. Speak, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So we continue. Please remember, I'm not asking you that question to put up your hands because if I ask you that question, it will be terrible. I don't see notebooks and pens. Has government banned books and pens? That is in mainline churches where they keep the books, so they say don't touch it. But you're bringing your books from your home, right? So you can touch it, no problem. Okay, bring your notebooks. And we have even kept some diaries downstairs. If you don't have, you can pick one. Okay? And a pen, because you need to write notes. Okay? If I were to ask you how many of you actually listened to those two messages you heard in English through the week, I probably would be shocked how many did not hear. That's why I'm not asking you to show your hands. That's just four hours of six days. 144 hours God gives us in six days and you're only asking for four hours of attention. The 140 is yours. Okay, that's how we, because you have to go a little Pastor Vijay's mathematical way to get perspective. Okay, I'm also not that bad in math, okay? <laughs> Addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, and there I stop. Rest you can learn from him. Calculus, trigonometry, algebra, all is his. This four I can handle. So 144 hours God gave you in six days. And four hours is the message. And if you're not so great in English, you have two hours of Telugu. Okay. Remember, all these things will count on that day. Because the day of evil doesn't come in one day. It creeps upon us. And then suddenly you realize the hour has come for you to make your decision. And then you realize, I did not use those good times to prepare my spirit with the word of God. God never allows evil to come upon his children unawares. He prepares us over a time by feeding us his word, his word, his word, his word, because his word is spirit and life. That is from where we get strength. And when we, as we react and live according to the word, we see the inner man is being built up. And when the day of evil comes, we are able to look evil in the eye and not fall and not falter. So please remember, that's why we keep so much time to the ministry of the word of God so that people's, God's children, no, God's children, we will realize we have, you have no clue 
what's happening even in this nation. Laws are being changed overnight. If you, if you notice politics, if you notice politics in these last days, if you notice politics, except for U.S., that's why the battle is going in U.S., in every other nation which matters, if you have noticed, there is no opposition. There's no opposition in India. There's no opposition in China. There's no opposition in Russia. There's no opposition practically anywhere in Europe. And there is the opposition and the ruling and the opposition parties are fighting it out for in U.S. When there is no opposition, you need to realize we are looking at trouble. Because there is no voice to stop the tide of evil. And laws are being changed. Even last week, laws after laws, laws, laws are changed. And you don't know some of the laws that were passed last week affects each one of us directly as believers. God said this will happen. Our job is not to change the laws, to prepare God's people with the word of God so that when it comes and hits us personally, we know how to stand and we don't deny our Lord. Because that's what happens when persecution when, if you look at the record of persecuted nations, the fact is most people fell away. Every nation. Only a remnant came through. A remnant came through. Okay, So God prepares and that's the ultimate test of our faith. And we are in those days. So let's go to First Kings chapter 18 because we are, we, are, we are focusing on that incredible revival, that final kind of revival God does with the whole nation where a nation turns back to God. Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him and he repaired the altar of the law that was broken. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the son of, God, of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. He made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seahs of seed and he put the wood in order and cut the bull in pieces. Okay, so we are looking at that one word over there that God wants order. Okay, that's what we are looking at. There is order. You can't hurry God. You can't say, Lord, why don't you work in me? He says, because there's no order in your life. And much of the past five, ten years of a child's life, the whole job God gives the parents and educational institution is to bring that order, that discipline in. Okay, so we are looking at, we looked at the altar, uncut stone. Sammy, can I have those two lights off? No, it's okay if they don't see me. They need to see the words over there. Okay. I know the cameramen are always focused on the lights. Yeah, that one also take it off. Okay, yeah. Can you see it clearer? Okay, so please remember, we need order. Divine order. We're talking about not man's order. We're talking about God's order. How important it is to have. When eternity begins, when you're talking about the new Jerusalem, the new heavens, new earth, you will see everything is absolutely in order. Everything is in order. And one of the first things, like I said last week, one of the first things God says, all of creation displays its glory. It's the order you see in creation, except one set of creation, that is human beings, who have been given the freedom to choose, therefore there is disorder. Everything else, there is order. And if there is disorder in the, in the lives of animals, we created it in theirs. They didn't choose it. We made disorder in their lives. So there is absolute, you know, I was telling on Tuesday, on January, to, on Thursday, January 1st, 2021, you can actually, actually exactly tell what time the sun will rise and what time the sun will set. 
because it's ordered. But can you tell what time you'll wake up tomorrow? That's a miracle. The other is order. So kingdom of God operates on order. And we need to understand and work on these things. Lord, I don't have much time left, Lord. Help me, Lord. And God is for you. When you hear tough messages, don't get, oh Lord, God is for you. God is. He gave his son. He gave his spirit. He gave his word. He is for you. Whenever you are, your face is turned towards Jerusalem for something that is important in God's kingdom, please remember, God is for you all the way. Okay? So you need order. But if you have to have order, you need rules. That's why these two terms come together. Law and order. Law and order leads to peace. Peace leads to an environment where everybody can work properly and the end result of it is prosperity. You cannot take anyone out. You have law, you have order, you have peace, you have prosperity. And everybody wants success, prosperity. There's nobody who does not want. And when we are talking about success and prosperity, we are not talking about a temporal success or prosperity. We are talking about eternal success and prosperity. Eternal, forever and ever. And no successful man living on earth can say, I'm eternally successful. No. Only God decides that. So we are not running after that is something temporary. We are running after something that is eternal. And when it comes to that at a personal level, order, law, order, peace, and success, your background does not matter. In the world, your background matters. In the kingdom of God, it does not matter. It's irrelevant. First Corinthians chapter 1, 26 to 28 says, Absolutely, for you see your calling, brethren, not many wise according to the flesh, not men mighty, many noble are called. God has chosen the foolish thing. He didn't call the fools. But he cons- those the world considered fools, he called them. That mean, doesn't mean they are not fools. Right? Doesn't mean that they are fools. He's not calling all the fools. No, the world considered fools. So nobody who is wise according to the world, mighty according to the world, noble are called. But God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things. So your background does not matter. You may be, the world may consider you a weak thing, a ignoble thing, a weak thing, a poor thing. Does not matter, God says. Doesn't matter at all. So your background does not matter. Because in the world your background matters. That matters, right? You try. They'll say, oh, we want to see your resume. God says, I don't want to see your resume. I already know it. And I call you despite your resume. Despite your resume. So your background does not matter. More than that, when you come to Christ Jesus in Second Corinthians 5, 17, the Bible says, anyone is in Christ, is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are big. You are vivant and Absolutely, totally fresh start. All your goofers of yesterday, everything is wiped clean. You are given an absolutely brand new start. Not only that, Hebrews 4.16 says, Every day, therefore let us come boldly to the throne room of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Every day. You're given a fresh start. Where in the world will you get it? Tell me one company who will give you these three. No company. 
most parents won't give their children this start. But God does. God does. So please understand the principles of the kingdom are eternal. And what we are looking at is not just temporal success. What we are looking at is eternal success. Even to the most goofed up church in the book of Revelation, in Revelation 3.21. Most goofed up church, this is what God says. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my footstool. No, on my throne. On my throne. Now which king will allow somebody to sit on his throne? Somebody is goofed up so completely that God is about to spit him out of his mouth. He says, if you repent and then turn back, understand the principles of my kingdom and finish as an overcomer, you will reign with me. It's not for a day or two. It's for eternity. Revelation 21 and verse 7 in the new beginning, God says, he who overcomes shall inherit most of my things, all my things, and he will be I will be his God. He shall be my son. All our sons who reach there. But all are not this son. Those are the overcoming sons. So we are running for something. We are not looking at the loss in this world. We are running for something that is permanent. Eternal. Permanent. I want to be an overcoming son or daughter who will inherit all. And I will reign with my father. That's. So Ramba, when we started many weeks ago, during the lockdown period when we were not gathering here, in Luke 19, Jesus uses a parable about a rich man giving ten, calling ten servants and giving them all ten rupees each, or one mina each, ten minas it is used. Today mina is a bird, so I don't want to give you a mina, you may eat it. Okay, so... 1913, he called 10 of his servants and delivered them 10 minas and said, if can I have KJV? He said, occupy till I come. So he's given all of us something and say, occupy. What part of my kingdom I'm entrusting into your hands? You kabza karo. Jab tak mein wapas nahi aate, kabza karo. Occupy it. Hold it. Hold it. Much things are held for the kingdom of God in the prayer closet than people ever know of. Hold it till I come. Occupy it till I come. And then when he comes, there is a judgment. And there is a judgment about the one who took one and gave the master ten back. This is what he says. Well done, good servant. Because you are faithful in a very little, have authority over ten cities. What was he faithful about? One minor. What did he get? Ten minors? No. What did he get? Hundred minors? No. Authority to reign over ten cities. Not one city. Ten cities. Okay. So please understand what we are running for and what we stand to lose in eternity if you don't understand the principle. That's why if the devil cannot stop you from being saved, he will do everything to see that you end there as a loser. Because that gives him a perverse joy. Okay. Gives him a perverse joy. Therefore, Matthew 6.33 is a general command. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And kingdom of God, you need to realize there is order. So we go and look, Lord, what is the order in your kingdom? What is that you want me to? How do you want me to do things? What are the things that are important in your kingdom? 
Please, Lord, teach me. Once we start working on it, we understand the rules that bring the order. And when that starts reflecting in our lives, what actually happens is we start reflecting the character of our king. Because the law of the kingdom of God is the character of God. Every law in the kingdom is based on God's character. God's character. The king. Ultimately, there will be two judgments in eternity. Those who refuse to come into God's order. The very work of salvation is to reconcile creation back to God's original order. So there is a judgment. All those who did not come under that order, who did not accept the call of salvation, he will reject them. And those who were reconciled with God will receive their rewards. All those who could be saved to the uttermost gets rewards unbelievable. Okay? Because Jesus is the greatest motivator, not your team leader. Jesus is the greatest motivator ever. You have to read the seven letters to the seven churches. You have to see what he promises to the overcomer. Okay? He just didn't say, Sabash bete and goes. He says, you know what? You have no clue what is waiting for you if you finish this race. And since most of you are young, many of those who are listening are also young. That doesn't mean old people cannot run. You may not be able, you may use a walker, but you can run the race. Okay. Even if you are using a walker, when it comes to the kingdom of God, spiritual things, you can run your race. So it doesn't matter whether you're young or old. But since most of you are young, it's better that you have order when you are young. So you won't struggle and waste time when you are older to get order. When you're older, you should be serving God with all your heart. But many older people are struggling to get order first. Psalm 119 and verse 133. Can I have it in KJV and KJV? Let me see. Yeah. I think. 133. Psalm 119. 133. Yeah. Can we go a little fast? Order my steps in thy word. How does a young man, how does a person in Christ get order in his life? In his word. In his word. His word is the law. When I'm talking about the law, don't think about the mosaic law. Think about has rules. You need rules to function anything. Otherwise, can we have church? No. That's why Paul says, let everything in church be done in order. Right? So if you have order, you can have a service. Now, when the, when the sound system was giving us a little trouble, that sound system was going out of order and immediately it affected all of us. All of us. If one of the musicians who are singing in the worship team goes out of harmony, the worship goes out of order. And everybody gets affected. So you need to realize order. Even your small toe, you drop a hammer on it, suddenly your body goes out of order. And the toe was neglected all these days and suddenly comes into your, not subconscious, your consciousness because something fell on it. And the entire body is recalibrating to adjust to it. You're walking in a new way. I'm just telling you how much order is important in life. So God says, how, what do you do? Order my steps in thy word. Then let 
iniquity do not have dominion over me. If I do not have order in my life according to the word of God, then the enemy will start having dominion over me. Ultimately, I could become a reprobate, lost my salvation too, or lose my crown. Okay, so let's go to 1 John chapter 12, or chapter 2, verses 12 to 14. Three verses, basically, looking at one type of, I write to you little children, because your sins are forgiven, you have his name, for his name's sake. I write to you fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you little children, because you have known the father. In verse 14, I have written to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Three categories of people in the kingdom of God. The child, the young man and the father. It has got nothing to do with your age. You can be 90 years old and be a child. You can be 18 years old and be a young man. It's got nothing to do with your age. But first category is children. The most important thing about a child is that a child has to become a young man or a young woman. How does a child in the kingdom of God become a young man or a young woman? The thing is that the word of God abides in him or her. Abides, lives. And therefore he or she has overcome the wicked one. That's how a child becomes a young man. The word of God is your weapon. That's your armor. That's your food. That's your life. It abides in you now. You have learned how to use it. You have learned how to live in it and live according to it. Therefore, what happens? You are able to defeat the evil one. The thief who comes to steal, to kill, to destroy the word of God. Order my steps according to your word. And who are the young men? Who are the children who became young men? You could become in 10 years, 11 years like Samuel. He's a child, but he's the only young man there. In the house of God. Why? Because the word of God is living in him. So please remember. This is important. Most important thing. If you turn to Jeremiah 29 verse 11. Everybody loves that verse. And nurses that verse. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Says the Lord. Thoughts of peace not evil. To give you a future and a hope. This is God's promise for everybody. Every child of God. As a father, God does not have bad plans for any child. He has only good plans for every child. You getting it? Every child, God has only a good end. Eternally, absolutely good purpose he has. But the problem is this. You and I can have a divine purpose, a divine promise, and a divine dream from God. Yet, it may never come to pass or fulfilled or reached its logical conclusion because we did not allow God's order to come into our lives. Order to come into our lives. In Psalm 105, verses 17 to 19, he sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his fetters, feet with fetters. He was laid in irons. Until the time his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. What is being tested? His word. He's been given a dream. That's the word God gave him. 
A promise, if you want to call it today's term. He's been given a promise, a dream. And the word of God is testing him. Life is testing him. See, when God gives you a dream or a promise, nobody can stop it. It's like trying to stop the wind. It is unstoppable. It's unstoppable. It's, it's because it's from God. It's not from you. You can dream dreams and nothing will come to pass. But you dream a dream which God has come given you. I'm telling you, all the powers of darkness cannot stop it. The elder shall serve the younger. Finished. It's over. Done. Jacob is chosen. Not Esau. It's done. And that was done before he came out of the womb. Destiny is fixed. That's a promise. Joseph is 11th one. He gets two dreams. Your brothers shall bow before you. It's unstoppable. Please understand. Unstoppable. But the question is, will that dream reach its logical conclusion. Samson also was given a promise. He was victorious. But how did he die? Judges 16, 30. Yeah. Judges, judges. Yeah. Please be ready with the next one, no? I didn't give that to you. Yeah. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might. And the temple fell on the lords and all the people who were in it. So the dead he killed at his death was more than he had killed in his life. He died in an act of victory. But he died. You know why he died? Because he did not have God's order in his life. God in his mercy gave him a last taste of victory, but he died. In the Old Testament, to die before your time is the worst thing that can happen to a believer. Because you are not supposed to die before your time. You are supposed to run the full course. New Testament is different. Okay, Old Testament and New Testament are different. Genesis chapter 50, verse 22. And Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's household. And Joseph lived 110 years and he saw Ephraim's children to the third generation. The children of Market, the son of Manasseh were also. What is he talking about? He finished his entire course. 110 years. Both had promises. Both end were not saying. The promises are by the same God. Both were called to be, to be overcomers. Both did not end the same way. That's why Psalm 119, says, Lord, order my Steps according to your word. Samson did not allow it. There has to be an attitude before that can happen. That is 33. Read from 127 to uh, 32. Five verses. The attitude that goes before it. Your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore my soul keeps them. The entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for your commandments. Look upon me and be merciful to me as your custom is toward those who love your name. He loved God's word and he honored God's name. And he says, now order my steps according to your word. There's an attitude inside before the word of God can start disciplining your life. You cannot come to church and go to sleep and say, Lord, order my steps. Now, when we go to a restaurant, at the restaurant of your picking and you place your order, you don't sleep, you wait. 
anticipating what is going to come dressed and be put on your table. Right? But when they come to church, is there an anticipation? When we read our word, is there an anticipation? When we listen to a message, is there that kind of zeal for his word and for his name? Then God will be able to order our steps. So we are going to learn some fundamental principles. One principle today we will learn of being successful eternally in God's kingdom. Okay? And we will learn from the best example in the Old Testament. That is Joseph. 13 chapters in the book of Genesis, which has 50 chapters, is dedicated to one man to teach us who are in the new covenant the lesson, how to begin well, how to finish well. And Most of you are young. You can start beginning well today. One of the first things you have to learn in life is this. Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 10. For who has despised the day of small things? What is the principle? Do not despise the day of small things. Small beginnings. Don't despise that. Don't despise the small things. We overlook the small things. Don't despise the small things. Joseph began his life as a shepherd boy. And then when he had, there was a terrible event that took place in his life. And he began his life all over again as a slave boy, lowest in the wrong. Again, a drastic, terrible thing happened in his life. He begins as a prisoner in a dungeon. These are all small things. We despise those beginnings. God says, don't despise. Don't despise. Pay attention to those things in your life. Moses started as a prince and goofed up big time. Then God, using your language, rebooted his career as a shepherd in Midian of the flock he didn't own. His father-in-law's flock. Restarted him so that he would not despise the small beginnings. David, any day before he would ascend the throne of Israel, began as a shepherd boy. You know why most people fail? Though they dream success, I'm, I'm sure... Is there is nobody sitting here who dreams failure. We dream success. But you know why we often fail? Because we despise the day of small things. We despise the small things in our life. The little things. Turn back to Luke chapter 19 and verse 17. The tarif the master gives. Sabash, well done. What does the master say? Jesus say at the end. He said to him, well done, good servant. Because you were faithful in very little. Very little. He wasn't faithful in big things because he was never given any big responsibility. One minor. What was he told for 12 years? Arrange the chairs. That's all he was told. Imagine as an example. All he was told, arrange the chairs. He was not told to preach. He was never invited to the worship team. He was never called to pray. All he was told is to arrange the chairs. The problem is the pastor did not see. The eldership did not see. The people never knew who it is. But there was somebody who was watching him every week. He was faithful in small things. 
Did you get it? Faithfulness in small things, you will suddenly realize in eternity will turn out to be a very big thing. This is what the master said. You are faithful in very small things. Turn to Luke chapter 16 and verse 10. He who is faithful in what is least, least, think about what is least in your life. If you are below 10, that's brushing your teeth. You have to understand, we were all that way when we were children, but now we know our children. No? When they go brush your teeth. Finished. Did you? Yeah, finished. It is laughing again. Okay. That's the fastest thing they do in the entire day. Okay. So think about whatever responsibility you have and what you consider least among the things you do in a day. He was faithful in the in what is the least. You see, the thing is that when you are being faithful in the little, little things of life, without realizing God's kingdom order is being set into your soul with an iron framework, so that one day when the big things comes, you are ready. And you are always waiting for the big thing. It never comes. It never comes. Because we have a father, we have a God, we have a master, we have a king whose eyes are on the detail. He's not mad at us. He loves us. He loves us. He's not mad at us. But he's a king. Please remember this. Romans 12.3 and Galatians 5.22. I said through the grace given to me, everyone who's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of? Faith is a gift. Faith is a? You're saved by grace through? Faith, and it is not of yourself, but it is a gift from God. What is faith and grace? Both is a gift. Galatians 5.22 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness. Faithfulness is not a gift. It's a fruit. Just because you have faith to move mountains does not mean you are faithful. Samson had the faith to believe I can lift this gates from one hill and take it to the next hill. He had the faith to believe I am worn out, but with the jawbone of a donkey, I can kill the Philistines. He had the faith, but he was not faithful. Faith is a gift. Nobody has ever received faithfulness as a gift. It is not a gift. It is a fruit. It happens when you abide in the word of God. It happens when you allow your steps to be ordered by the word of God. And it takes a lot of hard work and perspiration. Faithfulness. It begins by practicing in little things. As a child. As a child. Whether you are a child and you have parents and overseers, warden, whatever you want to call it, teacher, whoever is above you, when you are faithful in the little things which even he doesn't see, but you are faithful in the little things, or you are a child of God, a young child of God, a new believer, whatever your age is, when you are faithful in those little things, you will graduate to being a young man in God. And this is daily practice. In Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8, one eight. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies. Where did he purpose? 
Nobody saw. God saw. God saw that in an alien culture, when you have been brought here as a slave in the Babylonian culture, this guy is being faithful in a little thing, what he has been taught by his parents in his Jewish kosher home. I cannot eat this. I cannot drink this. He's being faithful. People will wonder, what difference does it make? Who's going to notice? Daddy is not here. Mommy is not here. Rabbi is not here. Everybody, all the others are standing in the line and eating. No, I'm sure he was not first in the line. He was waiting. Because he couldn't make a decision. He had to make a decision. Everybody, you're looking at, is there any Jew? Nobody. Everybody is eating. And if he eats, nobody would even know. Nobody would even blink. That is what is accepted you are supposed to do. But you realize, this is a very small thing to man. But a big thing for God, like uh, Armstrong said, a small step for man, a giant leap for mankind when he stepped on moon. The step he took was the same as he took on earth. But for mankind it was a giant leap because man had reached the moon after 6,000 years of human history. So in the same way he did not realize he was doing a small act of faithfulness. It would become biggest decision he ever made in his life, this is going to define his entire future. Because he was faithful in a very small thing. Very, very small thing. Because at that first step, often we goof off in these little, little things at the first step. The first step matters. It's always good to obey, to receive or to reject something at the first step. Second step, third step, it becomes very difficult. First step. That's why Abigail has a tough time with Pastor Vijay when it comes to math. Because she's got the answer right, but the steps are not right. And a good math teacher will say, I want to see the steps. I don't want the answer. Answer I also know. I'm not trying to get you the answer. I want to see your steps. How did you reach this conclusion? I want to see the steps. I want to see whether you have the discipline of order in your lives. We only want an answer. Give me an answer. God says, where are the steps? Where is the order? Right? Proverbs 23, 31. Proverbs is his cup of tea, not my cup of wine. Okay? Do not look on the wine when it is red. When it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around soup. There are three steps over there. Okay? Now this is opaque, but let us think about this. Okay? First thing is that it is red. Second thing, the light is shining on it. The third thing, because you poured, it is swirling. Stop at the first step. Don't go look at the shine. By the day, you have already compromised. By the time you come, it's swirling. It's also making motions in your belly and your soul. You come to step three. Stop it at the first. Just an example. We're not talking generally about wine. We are talking about life. Stop it at the first step. Yes or no. If it's a commandment of God, don't go into detail. Start obeying the first thing that you know. No, I need to understand all the three steps, then only I will obey. No. No. Don't have to. And life usually doesn't work with parents or with God that way. Daniel took one good look at the king's table. And then he looked into his heart. The order had been established in his life. By the law of God. And he said no. He was faithful in a very, very little thing. 
and he had no clue when he purposed in his heart not to defile nobody noticed nobody saw but god's eyes were fixed on that young teenager and god's eyes would be fixed on that young teenager for the next 70 to 80 years on that one man that's the only eyes let me tell you children that matters only pair of eyes that will matter is is god's eyes on you and was on that young man little things genesis 37 and verse 2 This is the history of Jacob. Joseph being 17 years old was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and sons of Zilpha, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. They were doing something stupid, something wrong, something silly which all teenagers do and we excuse the teenagers sab karte hain na jaane do. Joseph did not jaane do. Whatever it was, he was absolutely faithful to it. That I will not be a partaker of this, and my dad needs to know about this. Just something very small. Something very small. It's not even mentioned what it is. It doesn't have to be mentioned. Oh, I have to be faithful with the big things. No, just something very small. But it doesn't matter. He was very faithful in something that affected his father, in his father's name. Something very small. it would put him into trouble but you know one thing he would have favor with god the minute he came and told dada this is what all the elder brothers are doing it's not right your name is being messed up god's eyes was fixed on this little fellow in 500 years later when moses writes the history of israel he will take the next 13 chapters and put the history of israel jacob into one man's life this is the history of jacob joseph being 17 years entire history of israel is connected to the life of one person because he began his life by being faithful in a very small thing very very small big things not big things a very small thing like any teenager in the workplace where his father had sent him to take after take care of sheep very faithful in a very small thing and people don't realize in eternity how big these small things are 100 times in these 12 years i have told people from this church tomorrow is sunday when you come to sunday rest well on saturday so that you don't sleep your body is fresh your mind is good so that when you come here you are able to receive what god thank god they don't snore i think maybe that's why god in his mercy gave mass so that nobody sees you drooling it's a very small thing it doesn't even cross your mind that what pastor said is true i need to that's a very small instruction you take that instruction it will work for you all your life in every field so he would have favor with god and verse 11 his brothers because they did not like correction and they did not learn to learn the lessons of the word of god which come through their father's mouth what is verse 11 his brothers envied him brothers people don't realize being a jealous person is a judgment we <laughs> think everybody is jealous no everybody is not jealous if you are jealous you are not going to make it to heaven i'm telling you straight away 
Because somewhere or other, you will be tripped and you will go down. Acts chapter 7, 9 and Matthew 27, 18. The patriarchs becoming envious sold Joseph in Egypt. Do you know why people sell others? Because of envy. You think envy is... Here one has favor with God and he will start receiving dreams and visions about his future. The others are handed over to envy. You know why? Because they were not faithful in a very small thing. Let not iniquity have a dominion over me. You know what jealousy is? It's not sin. It's iniquity. For the next years they will be empowered by this iniquity. And if Joseph hadn't personally intervened in their lives, it would have taken them down. They would have died in that famine. Matthew. For he knew they had handed him over because of, who is this? Jesus. Jesus was handed over by the Pharisees and the chief priests because of envy. This is just a aside. Be very, very careful. When you are not faithful in the little things, what is the other thing that can happen in your life because the hand of protection is going over your life? Let me tell you this thing and let it get back. Proverbs 27, 4. You'll be shocked. Wrath is cruel. Anger a torrent. But who is able to stand before jealousy? And who would think jealousy is more dangerous than wrath and anger? Wrath is visible. Anger is visible. Jealousy is hidden. But God says, you know what is dangerous? A jealous man or a woman is more dangerous than an angry man or a woman. Anger is cruel. Wrath is cruel. Anger a torrent. But who can stand before? Jealousy. And jealousy caused them to sell the Son of God who came to redeem them into the hands of the Romans. Please be careful. See, in this world, little things usually never matter. It's the big things that matter. But in the kingdom of God, do not despise the day of small beginnings, the little things. Learn it over and over and over and over and over. To use Pastor Vijay's uh, allegory or example, you can never be anything in math unless you have mastered addition, subtraction, multiplication and division. Forget anything else. These are foundational, these four. You get this four, you can progress. Oh, I want to do a PhD in algebra. First learn how to count. Fundamental. Forget fractions also. You will not graduate to fractions unless you got these four in order. We despise in this world these small things. People don't realize how important it is. Don't look at the wine when it is red. Choose to be faithful. Don't look at it. Don't compromise on those little things. First step. Be faithful. Let the word of God order your steps in your choices. Don't let the world define who you are and what you become. You know, in eternity, how many millions and millions and millions of men and women would say, I wish I had never looked. The wine was Genesis thirteen twelve, Genesis thirty three eighteen, 
Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. You know how it began? One look. He looked. A divided mind. He looks and sees Sodom and the Garden of Eden. Ah, Sodom looks like the Garden of Eden. Divided mind. One look. You know his end. When the wine was red, should have stopped looking. This is not the place to look. He would destroy his family, his generations, all would go. Because as the prime mover of the head of the family, he made one choice of one look. Genesis 33 verse 18. Jacob came safely to the city of Seshem, which is in the land of Canaan, where he came from Padam Haram, and he pitched his tent before the city. Oh, you were not supposed to stay there. You were supposed to go to Bethel. No, I like this place. Shame all the people, town, I will prosper here. He pitched his tent looking into that city. The father looked into the city. The daughter went into the city. Next thing you know is the daughter is gone. And all the days of his life, you will read the entire narrative of Genesis. You don't hear Dina being mentioned. One child's entire life is destroyed because the father looked at the wine when it was red. He was not faithful in the small things. Oh, it's a shame. Yes. But you were called to dwell in Bethel. You were supposed to come to the house of God and hear from the word of God. Hear from God. Your altar in Shishim is good, but don't dwell there. Go to Bethel. That's a safe place. Safe place. One look. Destroyed. Because you are not faithful in those little things. And we sometimes compromise on those little things. And we are big on big things. Everybody is big on big things. Right? Now look at the Narcotics Bureau, NCB. All the actors are going there, appearing before questioning. Why? They are all taking drugs. Everybody wants to be a fame, no? Everybody wants to be in Hollywood and Bollywood. No, that's why hairstyle is like this. Everybody is standing there being questioned. An entire industry run on money, sex and drugs. Want to be famous? Why do you even watch their movies? Why do you even watch? Judges 14.1 Samson went down to Timna and saw. You should read the previous verse. The spirit of God was moving over him and he went <laughs> and saw. Finished. And 1621, his end. He was not faithful in a very small The Philistines took him, put out his eyes, brought him down to Gaza, they bound him with bronze fetters, and he became a grinder in prison. Why? How did he end up as a grinder in prison? The most anointed, physically powerful man ever in human history. How did he become a blind grinder in the Philistine prison? Because he was not faithful in a very small thing. He did not allow the word of God to order his steps. This is not to condemn anyone, but to exhort everyone to go back to the fundamentals, the basics. Work on it. Can God count on me to be faithful? One day will God say, take charge of one village. Forget ten cities. Will he find me count Worthy, faithful enough to take charge of one city, one town? Imagine end up in eternity with nothing to do. 
There are no movie theaters too. No Netflix. No Amazon Prime. No shopping. What was the only thing that actually first God points out? Faithfulness. Well done my good and faithful servant. You are faithful in very little. Do you want authority in heaven? First Corinthians 4.2 Do you want authority in heaven? Establish faithfulness on earth. Moreover it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Heaven is going to be stewardship of God's resources. Our father's house. His entire empire. But you want to be a steward. You need to be found faithful. Let me ask you this question. So many young people, all the young people who feel young and are young can look at me. Right now, many have you been given not a room, but a space in a room. Right? If you are living in a boarding house kind of a setup. You've not been given a room, you've been given a corner or a space in a room. And a few duties. Are you faithful? Are you see your supervisor whoever whoever it is, where in your company or where you stay is not may miss all these things. God doesn't. God doesn't. Few duties, spiritual and otherwise. The simple question is, are you faithful? We do not realize how this plays out in eternity. The guy when he was given one minor. And he knows this master is a big guy with cities. He's a king. He just gave him a minor and said, occupy till I come. So I said, okay. He's given me, let us say, thousand rupees. Let me use this thousand rupees for my master. When he came back, he gave him ten thousand rupees. He took the ten thousand rupees and said, ten charge of, take charge of my ten cities. He had no clue. What is this? The rewards in eternity. God says, do you have any clue? First Samuel 16, 11. 16, 11. No, no. 11, 11. Not 1, sorry, 11. I didn't put 11 there. Okay. And Samuel said to Jesse, are there all the young men here? He said, there. There remains yet the youngest. And there he is keeping the Where was he? Who wants to keep sheep when the prophet comes home? Faithful in a very small thing. 17, verse 14 and 15. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul. See, the three oldest followed Saul, but they were never allowed to live in his house. Well, the youngest was called to live in his house. But what does the Bible says? David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his fathers. Who goes from the palace to the wilderness to check how my sheep are? The minute you get an appointment in the palace, you already forgotten your earlier response. That is over. Now I am too good for these things. Too good. Do you know when we are elevated in the world, we find ourselves, I am not now too 
honorable to do these menial things. This is below my dignity. Sweeping, mopping, swabbing, washing. I need to hire somebody for it. If you have no time, hire somebody. But you have time, fire that person. Unless that person needs that job. Think about it. 34 to 35. David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. He's not, he, he's not ashamed of his testimony. Think about it. You're called for a corporate job. You interview. Why do you think you can do this job properly? Because every time my mother told me to clean the kitchen, I have made it spotless and my mother has always said you do an excellent job. Would you be able to say? That's what he's saying. The king is looking for a champion who will fight Goliath the head of the Philistines, who is a giant. And his testimony is, Daddy used to give me sheep to take care of. And whenever wild animals came after the sheep, I went and risked my life and always saved my sheep. If he hadn't said it, nobody would have known it. But God picked him as his champion because God had seen him faithful with a few sheep. And he was looking for somebody who would be faithful with a few small things to hand his kingdom over into his hands. This is a parable of the talents. A young boy who was faithful with a few sheep has been given the kingdom. And God is not ashamed to be called the son of David. He'll think who cares about sheep? God does. Are you faithful with little things? See, God can deliver us from terrible sins. Everybody prays for healing and deliverance. You should pray for healing and deliverance. Okay? The most terrible things God can deliver. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 1.13. The things God delivered Apostle Paul from. Although I was formerly a what? Blasphemer. The spirit of God can overcome a life of blasphemy against the living God. That is what he was. A blasphemer. Second thing. I was a violence against those who do not have the power to defend themselves. That was Paul. A life lived out for persecuting those who did not have the power to defend themselves. A man of violence. I was a blasphemer. I was a... And then... And an insolent man. KJV will say a violent man. He was a persecuted and he was a violent man. And his actions would actually lead to injury and death of so many. And Acts chapter 7 verse 58 actually tells you that's how he begins. We get his attention. God gets his attention or we are brought, God already knows this guy. But he's brought to our attention with that statement. They cast him out of the city and stoned him. Who is this? Stephen. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a, of a. So as a young man, he's a blasphemer, he's a persecutor and he's a violent man. And God can deliver you from all these things. Can deliver you from? And he says, I obtained mercy. I obtained mercy for all these things. Okay. A lot of people have obtained mercy for these things and worse things. That doesn't mean God trusts them. Why did he trust Paul? Why did he trust Paul to give the entire gospel into that man's heart? Look at words. The previous words. I thank Jesus Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me. 
faithful. That's the reason he got the commission. See, if you are faithful, he can override everything else in your life because he knows this guy is faithful in little things. He's got that order, that discipline that the kingdom requires in his life. He has got that. And you know what? I can clean him of all this and anoint him with my Holy Spirit and he will run his race because he's faithful. He's faithful. And that's the question God is asking. Are we faithful? Can God trust you and me? Will we be counted faithful in little things? If you and I can be counted faithful, let me tell you, there is no limit to what God can do through your life. If God can find us faithful, we have to be faithful to God's word. We have to be faithful to God's name. Remember, we read Psalm 119 verse 33. Now read 31 and 32. I opened my mouth and I panted for, I longed for your, I was faithful for your word, for your commandments, for your law. Second, look upon me and be merciful to me as your custom is towards who love your, He was faithful to God's word. He was faithful to God's name. And he God ordered his steps according to his word. Can we? Look at Revelation chapter 3 verse 8. Because this has got to do with a person. His word and his name. Philadelphia, the church. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door. Meaning unimaginable opportunities in front of you, now and for eternity, for the sake of the kingdom. The reason? For you have little strength. Very little strength. You are not somebody who's got a lot of power and money and influence. Nothing. Got very little strength. But do you have? You have kept my word. You have not denied my name. When it comes to little things that my word talks about and what my name is interested, my name and reputation is interested in, you've been very faithful. Very faithful. Therefore, God says, you know what? I'm going to open this door and I'm going to keep it. What does an open door mean? There is no limit. There is no limit for you. Now and in eternity. No limit. I'm not setting any limits. I'm just keeping the door open and no one will be able to shut that door for you. Why? Because you've been faithful to my word. You've been faithful to my name. And you had very little strength. So God says, Are we faithful in little things? Are we working on being busy on being faithful in little things? Psalm 75 verse 6 and 7. 75, 6 and 7. For exaltation comes from neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. But it is God who is the judge. He puts puts down one, exalts. We are always looking for promotion from the left or the right. But we don't realize real eternal promotion comes from above and is always looking for those little things. Those little, little details. There's a proverb in English for, for the sake of a nail, a kingdom was lost. It was war and the runner who had to reach with the news, his Horseshoe in that hoof of the horse, one nail came off. He said, Chalega. But because I went further and further, the horse started limping. And because the horse was limping, and after some time it started walking. By the time he reached the message, 
to the commander, it was too late. The battle was over. Reinforcements did not come. Because of an ill, the kingdom was lost. A little thing. That's what God is talking about. Exaltation, exaltation. Everybody wants. But in Luke 19, 17, it is God who is saying, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You are faithful in little things. And verse 24. And he said to those who stood by, Take the mina from him and give it to whom who has done. Who is this fellow who was not faithful in that little thing? He was also, both of them were given one mina each. One thought, let me be faithful with this. The other said, ah, small thing, why bother? Without realizing, the master was going to judge them on that small thing. We are not talking about salvation here, okay? Don't get all rattled up. We are talking about eternity and rewards. Let me tell you, you can have the best start in life. Judges chapter 13, verse 2 and 3. Best start. Now there was a certain man from Zorah of the family of Danites whose name was Manoah. His wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said, Indeed now you are barren, have no born, no children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Kya baat hai? Think about it. An angel of the Lord appears and tells without praying, without asking nothing, supernaturally. Sovereign choice of God comes to this lady and says, you're going to have a son. And verse, the next five and six, if I'm right, right, which I gave you, verse five, yeah. Behold, you shall conceive, bear a son, and no razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of everything is told in advance. Imagine, conception hasn't even taken place. You already know about the entire future of your child, destiny of your child. If wish, we knew all these things, right? Verse 12. And 13 to 14. Manoah said, now let your words come to pass. What will be the boy's rule of life and his work? Can you tell us the instructions, order? What order, discipline? We will say, should you, today we will should you need physics tuition or math tuition? That's not what Manoah is asking. What are the disciplines I have to teach him and his work? What is the nature of work he should do? Because the destiny is fixed by God. Please tell us what are the disciplines? What is the order? What are the things which I have to teach him? Okay? And verse 13 and 14. The angel of the Lord said to Manoah, of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. He says, all the rules which I have is for the mother. The boy's rules, you want to read the book. It's written what an Nazarite should be. But all the rules I'm giving to the mother. What is the mother? She may not eat anything that comes from the wine, nor may she drink wine or similar drink, nor eat anything unclean. All that I commanded her, let her observe. He says the future of the child is tied with the obedience of the mother. If she will be separated from the world, she will frame him the way he will go. If she is a woman of God, untouched by the drunkenness of the world, she is going to determine his future. He will see her. She will impose this on him. She will frame his mind and soul according to the word of God and not according to the world. And he will fulfill his destiny. Did you see the rules were given to the parents for the success of the child? So we need to understand this. In First Peter chapter 1, verse 5 onwards, we don't need to read the whole thing. Whole list is given. Who are kept. Yeah, not First Peter, Second Peter. Okay, Second Peter. For also for this very reason, giving all diligence, give 
good diligence what is that add to your faith virtue everything begins with faith without faith everything else is useless you have to be saved before you have an eternal future otherwise you have in hell so there is no future there nobody is doing anything over there other than moan and cry there is no work there okay so if anybody is looking for employment don't look for it there there is no work there the only things that work there are the worms the worms don't die there they are busy biting you day and night because jesus preached more about hell than heaven so i cannot change the order add to your faith virtue your faith is there and then start working on adding to your faith what is the first thing mentioned over there virtue and virtue is a very big word very very big word and one of the virtues god demands his children add to their faith is faithfulness and add to that self control virtue is faithfulness 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 to what to the word of god what does the word of god say now turn me to back to samson judges 14 8 and 9 and 10 and 11 you remember he when everybody knows these stories even children who have never read the bible knows it because he met a lion and tore it with his hands is coming back what does he do when he returned to get her he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion and behold a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of the lion he took some of it in his hands went along eating when he came to his father and mother he gave them some of it to them and they also ate but he did not tell them he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion and words so his father went down to the woman samson gave a feast there for the young men used to do so okay that's enough we'll see three things here important things one he knows his sense right he knows he's not supposed to touch a dead lion dead animals so he never allowed his steps to be ordered by the word of god he was more moved by his hunger by his belly by meat second thing his parents were very casual about it he came and gave them the honey and he's come from the philistine territory they didn't even ask him where did you get the honey from now when our children were small when they came back from school and there was something in their bag which we know did not go from the house the first question asked where did you get that from this is not part of this house where did you come where did that come my friend gave me what's your friend who said gave me or did you take it look at the father who's been given an entire divine destiny of their son they didn't even ask so what was it they were very casual in his upbringing the rules that would set him apart as a nazarite and what is the next he gave a feast to the young men who are these young men philistine young men what is a nazarite eating with the philistines now let us go back and read over 14:1 Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah, the daughters of the Philistines. And he came back and said, "I want her." You know why he went for the Philistine girl? Because he had no control over food. I've taught this over and over again. Every lust of the flesh is already there in the baby, and the first thing you teach the child is how to eat and what to eat and what not to eat and when to eat and how to eat and how much to eat. Because if he learns control over food 
and orders his belly with the word of God, he will be able to exercise control on everything else. When you fail there, you fail in everything else. They set the whole young man's life for disaster. Though he was called before he was conceived and set apart to be a deliverer of Israel. And we think these things are... He was, his parents were not faithful in little things. Little things. And these are things which we preach and people get upset. <laughs> I'm telling you, parenting is a full-time job and a thankless job. Fathers discipline their children as they're so fit. Can I? Can you pick that up fast? Pick that fast. That's a, uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, yeah, 12. 12. It will come towards the end. Yeah? Yeah, just before that. Furthermore, we had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them what? Respect, not thanksgiving. When your children are small, when I smack them, I don't want your thank you. I want you to see that you obey me. We paid them what? Respect. When they grow old, they will say thank you. No child says thank you when he gets disciplined. Neither does God expect you. Thank you, Lord, for spanking me. No, I want your reverence. Just obey. This guy had no reverence for the things of God. You know why? Because he was goofed up right from childhood. Messed up. And we don't realize how these plays out in eternity. The futures of God's people are messed up. I keep telling parents, especially mothers, I will tell you if you are going shopping as far as possible, do it in small places. Don't take your children to the mall. They are small. They may have their mask on. I said, soaking in things, 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 things. Then you are teaching them. Memorize. Do not love the world or the things in the world. And if you do, the love of the Father, they are already full of the world. And who took them there? You took them there. You did not put a premium on their soul. You are just like Manova and Mrs. Manova. You do not know their prophetic future is going down the drain. Thank God he gives his spirit to overrule all these. Not overrule so that you go through fasting and prayer and flogging your flesh back into shape so these things don't affect you anymore. But how much life and time is lost fasting and praying for things. We should have been natural if you were ordained, ordered when you were young. On the other hand, First Samuel chapter 1, verse 11. Another woman. No angel, no vision, no dream, no prophecy, nothing. She is broken in her soul. She made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me, and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his. What is she saying? She is praying what was told to Samson. Let not a razor touch his hair, and he shall be the deliverer of. You know what she's saying? She made a vow and said, O Lord of. Lord of. Jehoshaphat. He shall be your captain. He shall be your soldier. You give me a son. 
he'll be a warrior for you. I will frame him in such a way he will deliver Israel. That is another mother. No promise, no vision, no dream, no prophetic word, nothing. And you are sitting before a half-blind, useless priest. And God still uses that useless vessel to speak to this woman. And God touched her womb. First Samuel chapter 1, 21-22 is interesting. Now the man Elkan and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his power. Every year they go. Every child would like to go to, to Shiloh. Now it is Jerusalem. No. After that it became Jerusalem and David moved it to Jerusalem. Oh boy, that is the festivity. Of, whole village is going singing song of ascents and descents and all that. Who doesn't want to go? Little Samuel must have heard all these stories, the others and all saying Elkanas, Peninas, other children, all these stories. That is, what else do people have? This is the only drama in their entire life. No movie, no theater, this is the drama. And what does the father say? Mother say? Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, not until the child is weaned, then I will take him that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. He says no. Thank God he's a nice man. He's a wise man. If you're a wise father and you know your mother, your wife is more spiritual, hand the children over to her. Don't interfere. If you're a wise man, and in most cases women are more spiritual than men, you look at prayer meetings and all, they are always there. Men are very rarely there. And often in most homes, you often, I'm not saying always, often mothers are more spiritual. And you as a man, as a father knows the mother is more spiritual, tell her. The disciplining I will do. You train them in the things of God. And he was wise. He said, he agreed. When? After he is weaned off? Milk. Hebrews 5.13 Understand spiritual implications. For everyone who partakes of milk is unskilled in the way word of righteousness. He says he's still not skilled in the word of righteousness. Once he's ready to handle the word of God, his steps have been ordered by the word of God. I will take him to the house of God and release him. This is no festival. I'm not raising him for a festival. I'm raising him for God. I'm raising him for God. For us, everything is a festivity. When is Christmas coming? I have to take that old faded tree out, hang it, star. Wind. We have to understand the significance of these words. Genesis 21, 8 and 9. As the child grew and was weaned, Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham, scoffing. Once the child is ready to be a young man, spiritual, this is spiritual truth, okay? You will see the man of flesh will start scoffing. The division is made there. Till then, till then, Sarah did not say, Ishmael needs to go. Ishmael needs to go. The day he was weaned, and he saw the man of flesh scoffing, the man of spirit, he needs, he needs to go. Because that's his elder brother. I cannot have his influence on this young boy's life. He needs to go out of this house. I need to protect him. 
because this fellow has no dream, no ambition with God. This is a boy of destiny. I need to protect him. One thing, Hannah was absolutely put her money on. I am going to teach my son to be faithful to God's word and to God's name. And Elkanah was a wise man. He gave it over. Now, see the actual picture in the temple. First Samuel chapter 2, 12 to 17. The sons of Eli were corrupt. That's a very soft word. They did not know the Lord. Who are they? The sons of the high priest did not know the Lord. And the priest's custom with the people was that in any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with a three-pronged flesh hook in his hand while the meat was boiling. Remember, this is not the Lord's custom. This is the priest's custom. Okay? The priest has ordered his steps according to his own word now. Then he would thrust it into the pan or the kettle or cauldron or pot and meaning it doesn't matter what container it is. He wants his meat. Priest would take for himself all that the flesh hook brought up. So they did in Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Also before they burned the fat, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who sacrificed, give meat for roasting to the priest, for he will not take boiled meat from you but raw. Today he wants to eat fried chicken. You don't boil it. Just give me fresh before you put it for the Lord. I want the fresh. Good. Legs are all for me. Gizzard is for the Lord. It is happening in the temple. I am telling you, Hannah is a very wise woman. Eli thought she was drunk. No, she was very sober. She knew what was happening in the temple. And she said, I am not going to release my son to that place until he's weaned of milk, until he knows how to honor the word of God, until his steps are ordained by the word of God. And if any man said to him, they should really burn the fat first, then you may take as much as your heart decides, he would then answer him, no, but you must give it now. If not, I will take it by force. Therefore, the sin of the young man was very great before the Lord, for the men abhorred the offering of the Lord. You see, sons of Eli, where is the problem with them? And verse 22. Now Eli was very old. He heard everything his sons did to all Israel and how they lay with the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. You know why that happened? Because they fell in food. These are all appetites. These are all appetites. These are all appetites. No control over food. As they were growing up. No control over food. And they lost control over everything else. They were not faithful in little things. The young men who are sitting over here, all young men sitting over here, I'm telling you, we are living in Eli's priesthood now. whole world has gone over. And you need to be very, very careful. Don't take these things lightly. If you are saved. If you are not saved, first get to faith. Luke 12, verse 42. And the Lord said, who, is, who then is the faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in their due season? Can God trust you? With responsibilities? Can God trust you? I say, all young girls sitting over here. If you get married, God can trust you. In due time, you will feed your children what exactly they should eat and not what is easy for you. If you add flavor, they will gobble it up. 
then one day the destiny will be gobbled up by the devil. You can make everything easy these days. That's why I said parenting is a very difficult job. The first 10, 15, first 10, 12 years. You frame them then, they run the rest of the time. They know their choices. They will not go against those choices because that has become them. The choices have become them. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Can you be a steward who will do your duties? Luke 16.10. 16.10. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. Least. What do you think? Chota chota bato. A father asked his son, clean your room. I'll come in the evening and check it out. The son cleaned his room. You know what the father did? He wiped the top of the door. That's exactly what I did in the Sunday school. First thing I went to Sunday school and rubbed my hand on the chairs and the benches. There. Yesterday I asked, is Sunday school room ready? Ready. Today I realized nothing is ready. But father, why is the top of the road? Father said, is the top of the door the part of your room? Or not? Answer that question. So though we use in humor, we, when we say, see that your socks doesn't have holes, because boys think socks is not part of their attire because it's inside the shoes. There are terrible things about this gender you guys don't want to ever hear. Because when we have our men's meeting, I used to give it to them nicely. Little things. I don't know about this side much, okay? <laughs> Little things. 16.11 Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit you true riches? Are you faithful with money? Now, don't be legalistic, okay? When you're talking about being faithful with money, ultimately you have to be faithful with God. People are very legalistic. They will sit with their laptop and everything, come to how much this, uh, I have to give Modi. They never worry about how much they have to give God. They honor and reverence Caesar. They burn incense to him every year once, especially in the month of March. When it comes to God, no faithfulness at all. But ultimately you don't realize the gold and the silver belongs to him. Him. I hope you read today's, today's devotion. And I was thinking on the same lines when I read, Lord, will I have to one day just re-register the church, get out of this whole thing? But things are getting worse and worse. I didn't like the pandemic because people took the this thing from Sammy and they started sending it uh, by online. Do you know when you do online, when we file this thing, they want your uh, PAN card number? And your other is linked to it. They know everyone who puts the money in the church once it is online. And things are getting worse and worse. Yesterday, 
It's a woman who was being beaten up somewhere in North India because she refused to spit on her Bible. Women beating up a woman. Therefore, yesterday it was a whole set of people who were beaten up outside the church and making to do. Three days before that was a pastor who was found dead on the roadside, a missionary found dead, and no case reported. Every day you hear this. You want to be known? Do you realize what is coming? Do you think your faith is so strong that you will stand up and say, no, this is what I believe and I will not bend my knee before Caesar? Where does the strength come from? It comes from God. 16, 12. And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, let us be honest. All of us, almost all of us sitting here live in somebody else's house, right? We are tenants. Are we faithful as tenants? Lord, I'm waiting for a mansion when I come to heaven. God says, I, I see how you take care of that man's house. How can I give you mine? I see. I see. We use other people's houses. We use other people's vehicles. We use other people's everything. Are we faithful? First Timothy 3 and verse 11. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in some things. All the sisters sitting here, one day when you all become wives, be faithful in all things. All things. Hebrews 3, 1 to 6, quickly. Can I have it in NIV? Quickly. Because we have 15 minutes to go. Therefore, holy brothers who share the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. So when you fix your thoughts on Christ Jesus whom you confess, what is the first quality God says fix your eyes on? He was faithful. The one who appointed him. What is the first thing God says you try to imitate in the life of Christ Jesus? His faithfulness to his father's word and his father's will and his father's ways. First thing. He was faithful to the one who appointed him just as Moses was faithful in the, in all the house of God, in God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself, for every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, testifying to what would be said in the future, but Christ is faithful as a son over God's house. Four times. What is the word used? Faithful. 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 Moses was faithful as a Jesus was faithful as a son. Galatians 4, 1 and 2. What I am saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave. Although he owns the whole estate. When you are a child in the kingdom of God, or naturally when you are a child, young child living with your parents, what are you? Do you know you are not different than a servant? Do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this. That's exactly what the parents say. And that's what servants are also told. Do this, don't do this. 
You are not given autonomy to sit and discuss about the affairs of the house and... No. No. You are getting it wrong. You are getting it wrong. What is the first thing that you teach a child to be a servant? So that he will grow up and become a son. If you are not faithful as a servant, you will never rise up and be faithful as a son. The father never tells his child, do this because you are my son. Do it. That's it. Why? That's not an option. Why should I do it? It's not an option. Does the servant ask his boss, why should I do it? Understand this. If you go through that process, we'll come through faithful as sons. What did Hannah teach her son? To be faithful to God. Why did God choose Samuel for all the others in the temple? You know why God chose Samuel? Read for Samuel 2, 34, 35. God is telling Eli. What happens to your two sons, Hophni and Phineas, will be assigned to you. They both will die on the same day. I will raise up for myself a faithful. Who is he telling? Eli. Why? Because I seen the little boy, how the mother is bringing him up. I picked him up. He'll be my faithful servant. How do you know he'll be a faithful priest? Because he's a faithful servant at home. He listens to what his mother is saying now. Therefore, he will listen to me and be my son when he grows up and my priest. And he's just a kid. Three or four or five years old. Lord already has seen his steps are being ordered by the word of God. And what is that? I will raise him who will do according to what is in my heart. And that's a son. A servant does what is according to the mind. According to the mind you speak. Do this. Son does according to the heart. He knows do this but this is the way dad likes it. He has known the father. Are you getting the picture? In Revelation, John sees a vision of Jesus. Revelation 1, 12 and 13. I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me and when I turned I saw seven golden stamps and among the lamps and stood someone like a son of man dressed in a robe reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. This is not the belt. The belt is in the waist. This is a golden sash around his chest. Why is he having a golden sash around his chest? Go back. I see 11 and verse 5. Righteousness will be his belt. And faithfulness is his sash. Righteousness was his belt. And faithfulness. That's why keep your eyes fixed on Christ Jesus. You're the, the apostle of your faith. Who was faithful. Faithful. That's why Solomon will say in Proverbs 20 and verse 6. Many a man claims to have unfailing love, but a faithful man, who can find? What a question. A faithful man, who can find? So start like all these greats in the Bible. In small things. Joseph, David, Daniel, all started in small things. And one day God handed over Big things into their hands because they were faithful. 
If you're faithful in small, 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 small things and then you go up higher and higher and higher, more and more responsibilities put on your shoulder, the day of reckoning will come. It will come. Daniel 6 verses 3 to 5. Daniel was so distinguished himself among the administrators of trust by exceptional qualities, the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. That created havoc. They have to bring him down because he's going to be above us. At this administrative satras tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel and his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could not find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor... Can I have a KTV? Yeah. 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 Verse 4, yeah. So the governor Satrav sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could not find no charge or fault because he was faithful. You know where he started? Khane ke upar. Pine ke upar. He began there. Now the entire administration is trying everything possible, doing a Google search, FBI check, CBI check, every check. They can't find anything on him. You know why? Because he's faithful. He's faithful. And they said, unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. That's what is happening in the U.S. now. Yesterday, Amy Barrett has been nominated as to be the next Supreme Court Justice. The next 40 days will be hell for her. They will come after, there will be no stone unturned in her life history to find something to see she doesn't reach the Supreme Court. She will be put through every scanner. Anything. Why? You are going to the Supreme Court. And you are going to be a conservative judge. And they are going to come after you. How old is she? 48. How many children does she have? Seven. Six children of her own. Two adopted from Haiti. And the youngest is special needs. Where is she reaching? Supreme Court of US? For life. Before she retires, Jesus will come back. Because she appointed for life. The one who died last week was 87 when she died as Supreme Court Justice. How old is she? 40 years younger. You know what they're going to check her out? Whether she is faithful. You know why she reached there? Because she was faithful with seven children. She was still faithful in all the affairs of the government. One child, we are gone. White lady with four white kids, five white kids, two black kids, and one special needs kid. And while working in the court system, the system says she mentored a blind person to go up in the court system, mentoring a blind student. And we have no time because we are so busy. Hats off to people like that. Ginsburg also. I didn't like with her policies, but you have to appreciate some things. You know, all the years she was in Supreme Court, she went through three, four bouts of cancer. She never missed a hearing. Even from the hospital, she would partake of the hearing through video conferencing. Never missed a hearing. 87. And we need Red Bull and Blue Bull and all to work for two hours. You know why? Because our steps were not disciplined when we were young. As we finish. Daniel 7 verse 25. This is the problem. 
He shall, who is this? Antichrist. And it's coming very soon. He's probably already in the picture. Maybe being raised up somewhere. We are not aware of it. But already there in the picture I think so. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High. He shall persecute the saints of the Most High. And God will allow that. And shall intend to change time and the... What do they change? The law. The question is, they will change the law. And it's being changed everywhere where the law of man does not tally anywhere with the law of God. What will you do? Will you be faithful to the law of God if it costs your job, your life? That's what they did with Daniel. They changed the law for 30 days just targeting one person. Every NGO, every office bearer of the NGO has to produce his other new bill. Targeting whom? Yes. We want to know you. We want to know your bank card. We want to know every detail of yours. Who are running NGOs. That's what Christian organizations are, right? We want to keep a tab on you. One law against one man. Till come. Question is, will you be faithful? How far will you be faithful? Do you think God will make concessions for his children? Read what he told Smyrna, Revelation 2, 10 and 11. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. That you may be tested. You will have tribulation 10 days. Not some mild cough and fever. Tribulation 10 days. When God says 10 days, you actually don't know how long it is. Be faithful until and then I will give you the crown of life. Lord, can I apply for voluntary retirement? No. No VRS. No golden handshake. In God's kingdom, VRS is not an option. Be faithful until death. Do you understand how important it is as you frame your initial years as a child in a Christian family or as a child in the kingdom of God? What is the virtue God is looking for? Frame your life with faithfulness. Because there is a time coming. The final war will come when Jesus will step down for the war. In Revelation 17, he'll come down to war in verse 12 onwards. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who received no kingdom as yet, but they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast. There are seven kings and seven, ten horns and all. Sometimes I'm thinking there are seven political leaders and ten corporations because everything is like India will be finally owned by one or two men. Everything is being sold to them. Corporations are going to take over everything. Okay, and they control our lives. Americans election is controlled by Google and Facebook. One hour as kings with the beast. These are of one mind and they will give their power and authority to the beast. This will make war with the lamb. Who is that? Jesus. But the lamb will overcome them for he is the lord of lords and the king of kings. And those who are with him are who? They called? The chosen? All three. Many are called. Few are chosen. And among the few are chosen. Very few reach the end faithful. And when he comes to fight this battle, he doesn't bring all who were called. He doesn't bring all who were chosen. He brings with him all those who are faithful. Because when you are battling, when you are in war, you know what you want? I want a man who is faithful. I want a man who is loyal. 
I don't want a man who will cut and run. Even God has a commander when he comes for the final battle. is looking for those who are faithful. Those who are not, those who are talented and smart. Those who are faithful. This is one of the greatest virtues in the kingdom of God. Be faithful. So when Pastor Vijay and I preach, one of the things we are looking is not how pleased you are, whether you are sleepy. Are we faithful to the word? And one thing I ask them, we tell the worship team is one thing I constantly tell the worship team, especially these days, is please worship at home. That's what makes you a worshiper. Not singing here. Be faithful in that secret closet you've been given. A commission for a season to lead God's people in worship. Be faithful in your worship. Because when you are not, it shows. It shows. Anybody can sing. You can worship. Be faithful in your worship at home. Because he who sees you in secret will reward you openly one day. And those who are called to pray, not here. Be faithful in your prayer closet. Be faithful. Whatever you are called to do, little things, whatever it is, God says, would you be be faithful? Can I find a faithful man? That's what always, God is always looking. Look in the book of Genesis. They all had faith. One man was faithful. So 13 chapters is given to one man who is faithful. He's faithful in his father's house. He's faithful in Potiphar's house. He's faithful in the prison. He's faithful over all of Egypt. Because he was faithful in little things. He could be put in charge of great things. 80 to, no, 40 to 80. God is eyes on one man on planet earth. Who is that? A shepherd in Midian. What is he saying? Let me see. He'll be faithful with his father-in-law's flock. When he found he was faithful with his father-in-law's flock, God said, good, now I'll handle my flock into your hands because I found you faithful. People wanted a king. God gave them Saul. God wanted a king and he picked David. You know why? Because he was faithful in little things. Faithful. In Babylon, he found faithful people. A Nehemiah who was faithful. A Esther, a girl who was faithful. A simple girl, teenage girl. A Daniel who was faithful. Oh, how it works. Jeremiah prophesied. Jeremiah is not in the scene. Daniel reads, calculates, 70 years are over. Lord, the time for your children's captivity has come. Why should I care? I am 90. I am the satrap. I am going nowhere. I won't survive that journey. It's got nothing to do with me. It's got to do with God and his people. I am sure he get into the prayer closet and he start praying. And God touched Cyrus's heart and said, let the people go. Faithful. 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 Are you faithful? Are you faithful? We ask all the men, because now you don't have, can't wear your foot, footwear in the church. Did you polish your shoes? Sami did, I did. Sami said he did, I did. Nobody's going to shoe the, see the shoes. It's got, no, got to do with no, it's got nothing to do with nobody. It's got to do with the discipline you have ingrained in your life. These are things which you do. Can you imagine Sami's joy 
when God says, well done, my good and faithful servant. One thing I saw, you polish shoes very well all the days of your life. I'm going to give you the commission. You polish my shoes all of eternity. You know what? I will give my right hand for that job. To polish Christ's sandals for the rest of eternity. <laughs> I don't know what eternity is like. Everybody who are righteous and reach there will hunger and thirst to serve him. And God says, I'm sorry. You are not faithful. You are not faithful. You are not faithful. You are not faithful. Or you are faithful. You will decide. Hallelujah. So if you don't remember anything of the message, be faithful. Remember to be faithful to whatever. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you this morning. We just thank you. We just thank you. We just thank you. We are here in your house, each one of us alive, well saved, because you were faithful. Your word says, even when we are unfaithful, you are still faithful because you cannot deny yourself. That's your character. That's who you are. The faithful God. That's your name. The faithful one. Israel still has a remnant who worships God in spite of their apostasy because you are faithful. There's a remnant church that stands in the gap and intercedes and proclaims the gospel because you are faithful. And we are here today after 12 years because you are faithful. Make us faithful, Lord. Help us to get on to that daily grind to be faithful in those little things that are big things in your kingdom. Everything we have and own belongs to another man, the man Christ Jesus. If we are not faithful with things that belongs to another, how will one day in eternity we have what will belong to ours? Help us to prove our faithfulness in this life. And I pray the young and the old in this church and those who are hearing, will receive and work on that discipline, that order to be faithful in everything. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Come in the rest of the day, the next service, everything into thy hands, O Lord. Be with your people around the world who have heard, who have listened. Help us. Help us, Lord, to be faithful. For many are called, few are chosen. But when you come, those who come with you are the called the chosen and the faithful. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each one of us. Amen and amen and amen.